Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. We will be posting more on all of our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We couldn't do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Good morning, church family. Welcome to another installment of Church Online here at Moore. Uh, I'm excited about what I have to share today. Uh, but first, we're going to do something special, something we do once a year, and that is to recognize our graduating seniors here at Moore. So as we go through this list, their pictures will come up and on the screen. And I just ask that you would, I don't know, just look at these kids and commit in your heart to pray for them. They're launching out into a brand new uh, season of their life, and we want to send them out with God's blessing and with a prayer. So first of all, Trayvon Xavier Johnson is graduating from Highland Park, uh, planning to attend college in the fall and obtain a real estate license. This is Mackenzie Christian Crosby. She is graduating from Highland Park and planning to pursue a bachelor's in business administration and is undecided uh, on an online school, also wanting to uh, serve Jesus in missions. This is Isaac Gardner, Garner. And he has graduated from Tascosa High School. He's enjoyed his senior year a great deal. Uh, his most recent, recent passion is uh, riding his dirt bike. But Isaac will begin this next chapter in his life at Amarillo College, uh, where he tends to pursue an engineering degree. This is Brendan Ramos. He's graduated from Tascosa High School, and he plans on attending Amarillo College in the fall. Uh, Brendan seems like a quiet and reserved guy, but he is insightful and always makes his family laugh. This is his brother, Jalen Ramos. They, he is also graduating from Tascosa High School. He plans on attending Amarillo College in the fall, and Jalen loves deeply and has an amazing sense of justice. He also has such a discerning heart. This is JP. He's the son of Shannon Anderson. He is graduating from Tascosa High School. Uh, he currently plans on attending Amarillo College in the fall, uh, while continuing to focus on his music. And this is Morgan Blankenberg. She is the daughter of Krista and Daniel Blankenberg. Morgan wants to graduate and then to travel. She plans on becoming a flight attendant, and after she gets that part of her life out of the way, she's going to pursue a law degree. And finally, we have Patricia Garcia, and we want to congratulate her on graduating and getting her master's degree and education. So we are all proud of these guys, and uh, we want to pray for them now before we start and get into God's Word. So join me, if you would, in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, for these seniors. We thank you that these people are launching off into new directions in life. And Lord, we thank you that they have you in their heart, every single one of them. We thank you, God, that they know you and that they know what it means to follow your voice. And I pray for them, God, as they just go into this new season, that every year they live, they would grow in their knowledge of you, that they would grow in their ability to hear you, 
and they would grow in their ability to obey you and to follow what you say is best for their life. I thank you for them, God. I thank you that they're in this church in this season, and we just commit to pray, to them, pray for them, God, and to think about them and lift them up and to be here for them uh, as life unfolds. And we pray that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us this morning. This is our uh, ninth week of coming together online. And, I, you know, it's, I thank God for YouTube and YouTube channel. I thank God that we can have this technology. I, think, I wonder what churches would have done even 40 years ago. They just wouldn't have met, and it would have been so difficult. This is at least one way that we can stay somewhat connected uh, through this weird time. Uh, but I want to just make something perfectly clear. What we're doing here online, it's not church. <laughs> Preaching and worshiping are great, and they're a huge part of church, but I just don't want anybody to be mistaken in thinking that church online is the same as church in person. You know, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And ekklesia means, literally means, the called out or the assembly. It was never meant to mean a building. And so when people say we're going to church, um, we always think about going to a building or going to a place. And, and, you know, as we've not been able to assemble here, it's like, hey, we can't meet in our building. But I just want to say that this building's not the church. Doing this stuff online's not the church. And, and just worshiping is not even the church. God never intended for the church to be about just preaching or just singing or just attending. God never intended for church to become a spectator sport like football. You know, you sit in the stands, you watch these guys. You're, you have no intention of doing what they're doing, but, you know, you gain a, a little bit of entertainment uh, from watching these sports heroes play the game. And it's a spectator sport. And, and church was never intended to be like that. You know, God doesn't want us just to sit in the chairs or, you know, watch the preacher preach or just watch the musicians play. It was never intended to be that way. What God desired was it for it to be an ecclesia, an assembly. And ecclesia is an interesting Greek word. It comes from a root word that means circle. And so the implied meaning of ecclesia is a circle. It's like the goal of church, one of the main goals of God's heart for the church is to become a circle of friends. That's what God wants for all of us. If you look at church history, you know, the church has been persecuted a number of times throughout church history. And the number one way that the church is persecuted, it, you know, so, well, sometimes a preacher will get thrown in jail or he'll say something the government doesn't like and, and, you know, he may get in trouble that way. But the main way, if you look through church history, that the church has been persecuted, it has been in denying them the, the uh, ability to meet. It's the gathering that gets persecuted. Because the devil knows the power, the true power of the children of God is when they're in a community of faith. When they're operating together in unity and in love, they can change the world. That's why the gathering has always been attacked. This gathering, like every gathering in the country, has been attacked in the previous few weeks. And, you know, it's very important for the body of Christ to be what Jesus intended. It's so important 
that we meet again. And we will meet again. But you know, the elders of the church, uh, this more is an elder-run church. It's not a congregationally-run church. It's an elder-run church. We believe that God speaks from the top down, not from the pew up, and that there is a leadership. And I am the lead elder in this church. I'm the lead pastor in this church. But I don't make the decisions by myself, especially one of this magnitude. The decision to come back together and meet again and to be the church that God intended uh, is a huge decision. It needs to be made. We need to move forward. And uh, the elders came together, and we prayed and sought God, and we talked, and we reasoned together, and we've come up with the date of June the 21st as a, as a tentative date. You know, we could meet. We could, a lot of churches are going to meet with these restrictions that the state has put upon us. Uh, you know, six feet apart, no hugging, nobody in the lobby, counting the number of people here, taking out half our chairs, making everybody sit six feet apart, putting all the people 65 and over over here in the old people's corral, you know. You can do that. We just don't want to do that. And the reason we don't want to do that is because that's not what God's called this church to be. This church is a very loving community of people. This church is a very real community of people. Uh, we enjoy one another. We enjoy hugging and being in each other's lives. We enjoy communicating. Uh, it's a very close-knit group. It came to the opinion of the elders that it was best that we put off coming back together until we can come back together in a way that's like what God has called us to do. You know, just simply coming in here and being in this building doesn't do anything magical. What we need to do is be able to come together and be who God called us to be. And we realize that several churches are already meeting in the city. Several churches have agreed to do these restrictions. They're counting people. They're taking out every other row. They're doing a lot of different things. But we decided that those restrictions were not something that we wanted to live with at this time. You know, when we meet again, we want this to be an absolutely safe environment. And we want it to be as normal as it can be. And for us to be able to do what we do, we feel like waiting until June 21st is wisdom. And I know that many of you will not agree with the elders' decision to wait. I know that. But I also know that many of you are not ready to come back and meet. And so, you know, we have to seek God. And the way that we seek God, and I hope that you'll listen to this, the best way to seek God is in a multitude of counsel. I do lead this church, but I do rely heavily upon the mystery of how God speaks through our body of elders. Over the years, this church has gone through a lot of different seasons, and some have been really difficult. And I have been so blessed to be with a group of men and women, the elders of this church, and seen time after time after time them come together and have to make very hard decisions and after all the praying and all the discussion, we come away with a decision, and I feel 100% confident that God speaks through the eldership of this church. The Bible supports that, Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there's no counsel, the people 
fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So whenever I say that when we come together as elders and we meet and we seek the will of God, I believe with all my heart that he speaks to us. And then we simply have to obey. You know, I know that many of you are not ready to come back and meet. I've talked to lots of you guys, and uh, some of you say, I'm just not comfortable yet. And that's okay. We're going to continue to broadcast uh, this sermon and our worship, you know, I hopefully until Jesus comes back. That's one of the great things that's come out of this. That's okay. But eventually, I want you to come back to church. I don't want one person out there hearing my voice that thinks that this, watching this online is a suitable substitute for being in a congregation and being able to do what God's called you to do. I want you to come back to church because people need you in this body. I want you to come back to church because you need to be here. The dynamic of meeting together is so powerful and so much more powerful than simply hearing a sermon. You know, at some point, we're going to have to choose to come back into life as we know it. At some point, we're going to have to choose to have faith to go on with living. Living with the acceptable risk of whatever's out there. There'll never be a time, and there never has been a time, when living life on this earth didn't have risk. You know, you think about even driving in your car. You know, they say like over 3,000 people a year die on Texas highways. And if you had a ticker tape every time that someone was injured in a car accident, if you had a ticker tape coming across your internet screen or across your TV telling you how many people had died that day from car accidents, it could, also, it could push you into a place of fear about driving that you would shut down. Now, we've considered that an acceptable risk because we want to live life that way. I'm telling you that regardless of what's going on in the world, there are times that we have to step out and step into faith and step, step back into life. You know, I've prayed about this pandemic thing a lot. I've prayed about uh, how it's affected our church, how it's affected our community. I've prayed about when do we come back together and get into life as we know it. I've brought a number of messages that were meant to encourage you during this time and to help you to stay focused on the Lord and not to get into fear or anger or even into violence. You know, and the Lord, last Monday, he spoke very clearly to me about when we come back together in faith. And I woke up at about 3 in the morning, and God spoke to me in a scripture like he many, many times does. He just spoke Revelation 12, 11 to me. And I knew the verse, but I went and I opened my Bible and I read it, and God spoke directly to my heart about this season that we're in. Revelation 12, 11 says this, And they, the church, have defeated him, who is Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of their testimony, and they were not afraid to die. First thing I'd like to say right here is that the church defeats Satan. It says the church, they have defeated. It is a past tense thing. When you think about God and when God writes the word, God's not seeing time as linear. He's not speaking words of faith. God is living in the past. God is living in the present. God is living in the future. There's no time with God. He, he knows the future as well as the past as well as the present. And so when God says something like the church, they've defeated Satan, 
already. It's a done deal. That's something we need to keep in our mind. The church will never be defeated. The church will never be obliterated. I don't care how much it's persecuted. I don't care how long it, it, it is kept from meeting. It doesn't matter. It will win. And 1 John 4, 4 says this, children, you belong to God. We are God's children. And you have defeated, there it is again, past tense, these enemies, the enemy of, the, of, of us and of the Lord. God's spirit is in us and is more powerful than the one that's in the world. So there is a standing fact here that we need to have just ironclad in our mind, and that is that the church wins. The church is God's plan to reach the world with the good news of God. That's what the church, that's God's plan. There's no plan B. The church will survive. The church will overcome. The church will not be defeated. And you are the church. And he says there's three reasons that this is an absolute fact. And they're listed right there. Because number one, the blood of the lamb. Interesting that he says the blood of the lamb and he doesn't say the blood of Jesus. Why does he say the blood of the lamb in Revelation? Because it's a reference back to Passover. He's, he's referencing the Passover lamb. And you remember the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb was one that was without blemish. It was examined for four days. And we looked at this in great detail when we did our Seder meal and the Passover feast. But he's talking about the blood of the lamb. He's talking about that spotless lamb. And it was, it was slaughtered. And it was, the blood was taken. And it was smeared on the doorpost of every home. And whenever the death angel came through, it saw the blood and it passed over those homes. It's the blood of the lamb that's over us. And because of that, that's the number one reason that we will overcome. That's the number one reason that we can live in this world with acceptable risk. Because that's what God's promised us, is the protection of the blood of the lamb. It's the Passover. You know, since Passover, since we celebrated the Seder meal, Wendy and I have had a red ribbon over our door of our home, our front door of our home. And it's a reminder that we're under the blood of Christ. It's a statement of faith for Wendy and I about our household. And we pray this regularly for this congregation, that every household is covered by the blood of the Lamb. The number two thing he says that we defeat Satan with as a church is we defeat him by our testimony. Now, every one of us, if we know Christ, has a testimony. Now, what's a testimony? You hear that word a lot in church. What is a testimony? A testimony is simply remembering what God has done and declaring that as truth. Every single one of us, <laughs> every single one of us have a testimony. Some more spectacular than others, but still we have testimonies. Exodus chapter 12, 13 and 14. The blood you have smeared on your doorpost will serve as a sign and when I see that blood, I'm going to pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you. You must remember this day forever. E each year, you will celebrate it as a, fe as a special feast to the Lord. Why did I read this scripture? Because it's another Passover reference. And when he says you're to look at your testimony, it's exactly what they did in Passover, exactly why we have a Seder meal right here, exactly why the Jews have been uh, celebrating the Passover and having Seder meals for thousands and thousands of years. It's because God wants us to remember. He wants us to remember the price that was paid 
for us to be under the blood of the Lamb. And he says, this is something you're to remember for the rest of your days. I don't know if you ever think about this, but you realize that when we take communion here and we take the, the bread and the blood, the, uh, the bl- bread and the wine, and we take communion, that is a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. That is part of our testimony. And he said, we defeat the devil because we have a testimony. We look back in our life and we say, look at all the memorial stones. Look at all the markers in my life where God has been faithful. All those times that I thought I was up against a wall and I wasn't going to be able to make it. And I look back and God came through in a miraculous way. He said, we overcome the devil because we have a hope because of our past walk with God. God is faithful. He will not abandon us. He's faithful. We remember every healing. We remember every financial uh, miracle. And we defeat the enemy because we declare that as truth when we go forward in life. The number three thing he says that caused the church to be triumphant and to defeat the enemy, we're not afraid to die. What a beautiful statement. Unusual statement, but a beautiful statement. He says you defeat Satan because of the blood of the lamb. You defeat Satan because you have a testimony. And you defeat him because you're not afraid to die. You don't live in a place where that fear of death grips you and rules your life. God wants us to be free from the power of death. And the only power that death has over us is fear. He said he promises us eternal life and we're not to fear death. But I don't, I don't want to take this flippantly. I don't want this to be some, you know, um, just reckless charge into life. We're not, we're not afraid, to, afraid to die. I, I, I want to go back and look at a story about Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was actually on the top of the temple mount, I mean, top of the temple, and Satan was confronting him. And the devil was trying to tempt him to do something that he shouldn't do. Now, I want you to look at this. Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. The devil took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, jump off. Because scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands. And so you won't even hurt the foot on, your, on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Now, why would I bring this up here talking about we're not afraid to die? Because I want to ask you a question. Why didn't Jesus jump off the temple and shut the devil up? I mean, if I'd have been Jesus, <laughs> I might have been tempted just to right there and then shut him up, jump off the temple. The angels probably would have caught him. I'm sure they would have. But why didn't Jesus do that? Was he afraid to die? No, that wasn't it at all. Jesus didn't jump off because he wanted to do what his father told him to do. And he knew his course, and he knew it didn't involve jumping off the temple and having angels come and rescue him. Sometimes faith can look like fear, but it's not. 2 Timothy 1.7, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us the spirit of power and of love and of a good mind. That's wisdom. 
Now, I want to talk to you just a second. My good friend Jimmy Witcher from Trinity Fellowship, he, 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 he spoke one time about the difference between the spirit of fear and natural fear. And I thought it was a very good explanation. That there's a difference between natural fear and the spirit of fear. You know, whenever we go up to the edge of a cliff and we are looking down and it's really high, there's a fear that comes in us that's a natural fear. That's wisdom. It says back up, don't get too close to the edge, you might slip off. That's a natural fear. There's nothing wrong with that fear. That's something God's given us to protect us. Uh, we, we know uh, to stay out of dangerous situations because there's a natural fear uh, built within every one of us. But that's very different than the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And it gets on people and it shuts them down because it grips them with fear. You see, Jesus, he didn't jump off because of fear. I mean, he, that he was afraid. He didn't jump off because of that. He, jumped, he, 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 re, he resisted jumping off because he wanted to do the will of the Father. Sometimes, in walking in faith, we must determine our course and go forward in faith regardless of how it looks to the rest of the world. The devil has two ways, primarily, of shutting down Christians, I've noticed over my 40-plus years of walking with God. The first way, he does use the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear, which is rampant in our world today, it gets on top of Christians, and it absolutely grips them and shuts them down, and they're paralyzed with fear, and they can't do anything. They, won't, they, they don't want to get out of the house because they're afraid. That's a spirit of fear, and it will keep the church divided. It will keep the church, uh, that keep church people out of church. It, it's been doing it for years. That's one way that the, that the devil shuts us down. The second way is interesting, but it's in presumption. The second way the devil tempts us is to get us to presume, and he calls it, oh, if you were if you were um, bold, you would step into faith here, and it actually causes us to step into presumption. Now, let me go back into this story about Jesus on the temple. Jesus is on top of the temple, and he could have jumped off, and the angels could have caught him. But, the, but Jesus responded and said, you know, you must not test the Lord your God. And I think it could be reinterpreted as saying, you must not presume on God's miraculous power. The devil sometimes gets behind Christians and, and pushes them and telling them, oh, if you were in faith, you would be doing this. If you were in faith, you would be bold enough to just walk out into traffic and God would stop those cars. If you were into faith, you'd be bold enough to just give all your money away and God's going to meet your needs. I mean, there's a lot of things, God, that, that the devil wants to tempt us. He wants to push us into presumption. And, and it's hurt a lot of Christians. It has shut down a lot of Christians it's caused a lot of Christians to give up on their faith. The devil is very, very sly. He can send a spirit of fear and just overtly shut you down with fear. And sometimes he sends this, this temptation to be presumptuous on the goodwill of God. And he actually kind of just rolls you down a hill into a place where God didn't want you to be anyway. You see, if Jesus had jumped off that temple, that was the temptation. It was to presume on God's goodness. The devil was trying to roll him off this hill, and it wasn't what God wanted Jesus to do. I feel that way a little bit 
in this opening the church back up. I feel like that there's two avenues. We can be vexed with fear, and we're not going to give in to a spirit of fear. But we also can be tempted to be presumptuous and go forward whenever the Lord has told us to have wisdom. You know, our decision to delay an opening had nothing to do with fear or peer pressure, and we certainly don't want to presume. Us, our delay in opening this church had everything to do with seeking the counsel of the leadership here and finding the wisdom of God for our group and then moving forward in faith and believe that that's the best decision for us. You know, leadership is a difficult thing, and you always want people to agree with leadership. But it's funny, whenever leadership makes decisions, there's always going to be people that disagree. But I'll tell you this. God wants his people to be in harmony. God wants his people to be in unity. And whether we agree or disagree with the decision, we can always agree on one thing, and that is to love one another and to be unified and to believe that God has placed leadership in place, like he says in his word, for such a time as this, and we can believe that they have our best interest in mind. I love you. I miss you dearly. I miss meeting together, and I look forward to that day in the future when we can all come back together, and we just really want it to look exactly like church, like we do it. I hope you understand this as we go forward. Well, you know, as I preach this message, it's a, it's a message about reopening the church, but it's also a message about living in faith and trusting in the wisdom of God. You know, during this time of this pandemic, I've noticed that there's been a whole lot of decisions that have had to be made. Decisions here at the church, decisions in our private life, decisions about you going back to work or, or uh, you know, whether you're even going to go to the grocery store, whether you're going to get out or stay home or wear a mask or not. You know, all these decisions. And we want to seek the Spirit of God. We want to seek His wisdom in every decision that we make. The funny thing is, is when we go through a long period of time of stress, it's a proven scientific fact that our decision-making process becomes not as sharp as it is whenever we aren't under stress. So it's such a good thing to get wise counsel. And one thing that I feel that I want to share with you that's a personal application of this message is that as you go through this pandemic, this time, if you have major decisions to make, I'm going to encourage you to seek counsel from godly people that you know. Seek counsel and ask God to speak through a multitude of counselors to help you to make those decisions. Do not be rash. Don't allow the enemy to push you into something and then to call it faith. I'm just going to tell you to be more cautious than hasty and to use the wisdom of God to make your decisions. So as we close this up here today, I want to pray for everyone out there and I want to pray that you would be under the blood of Jesus, that you would know that you can rely upon the faithfulness of God because you have a history with God. And finally, I want you to live in a knowing that there's no fear in death for those that love Jesus Christ. So let me pray for you, and then we'll be done. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the way that you've uniquely crafted it, that you've given us, God, each other, 
And Father, I pray that as we go forward that you would hold this place together. You would hold all of us together. And we look forward to the time, God, that we can come back together in this place and each person can begin to do the work of the ministry that you've put in their heart. I pray for everyone that's, that's in this church today that's hearing my voice that they would operate in your wisdom, God, and not in the wisdom of the world. I pray that the spirit of fear would be, that you would deliver every single person from a spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. I ask God that the spirit of fear, the power over your people would be broken, especially these people that are from this congregation. I feel, God, I, I, church, I just feel an anointing right now to just pray that the power of fear is broken over your life. And I believe the Spirit's doing it right now. And you will no longer live under the bondage of fear gripping your soul. And now, God, we just ask that your wisdom would just flow into us. Wisdom from your word. Wisdom from others, God, around us. And we thank you, Lord, for your precious presence and how you never leave us or forsake us, but you go with us through everything. Thank you, God, for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, God, that we have a testimony. And thank you that we have life eternal, and it begins right now. And we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us again online. And um, I just want to pray over worship this morning and just jump right into it. So God, just bless every person just joining us today online and then just all of our band together today and just so happy to to just have this opportunity to play together and just have fun and just be in your presence God and worship you and um, Lord I pray that wherever people are God that they would just be able to stand up and um, you know raise their hands or get on their knees or or sit on their couch and drink their coffee and God and be filled with joy and be filled with your presence God here Holy Spirit just meeting us right where we are. God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're there. And I thank you, um, God, that you just, God, you've brought us together for a time like this. God, you know that there is, um, God, I don't know. I just, I just believe, Lord, that you have a purpose for this season and this time. And and for this day in particular, God, and I just pray over the sermon and I just pray over the worship, God, and just be with us and dance over us and sing over us as we love on you this morning. We love you so much.
up your name, Yahweh. 